In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies, it is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. In fact, there was a treaty between our president and their ambassador, one of the Greys. And this treaty was a direct exchange on the U.S.'s part. The U.S. wanted military information, lasers, chips, anything that would help them in, in the military sense. And the Greys needed DNA, human DNA, cow DNA is very, very similar to human and human DNA. And the United States apparently told them they can have X amount of human DNA and no more. And apparently the Greys didn't follow along with that. Hey there, I'm hard at work on another edition of Inner Sanctum, my free monthly newsletter. Inner Sanctum features my monthly brief, a column of my thoughts and opinions on what's happening in the world. It features a spotlight on a past guest, a look ahead to an upcoming episode of my weekly syndicated radio program, The Conspiracy Show. It features a look at this month in conspiracy and UFO history and my Conspiracy Unlimited podcast episode pick of the month and so much more. To get your free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, delivered to your email inbox, 
just go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on Inner Sanctum and register. It's fast, easy, and again, absolutely free. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Leon Bibby, the author of Adam Decoded Volume 2 and Adam Equals Alien is standing by. And uh, we are talking about the Sumerian creation myth, the planet Nibiru, the Anunnaki, the ancient alien theory. You mentioned, um, Leon, that the, the last Anunnaki, they left roughly 2,000 years ago. Why did they leave? I think they couldn't survive after the last blast after Sodom and Gomorrah I think it it created such turmoil uh, for them uh, it actually created flooding so all the mines in South Africa became flooded they could no longer mine gold um, it's interesting though that they found gold on the opposite side of the earth in Lake Titicaca in Bolivia uh, because of the flooding uh, it unearthed through this lake. It unearthed gold um, at the bottom of of this lake. So they switched mining. Enki switched mining over to Peru and Bolivia from from Africa. But I think the Anunnaki just um, just felt that it was getting out of control. Uh, the familiar, familial issues, certainly between Enlil and Enki, were out of control. And Anu said, "Let's you know, come on back. We've got we've got the gold we need." Head back home. Did Enlil and Enki leave behind certain factions that were loyal to either one or the other? As far as Anunnaki or as far as human? Well, humans that were loyal to one oh. to, to, to one or the other. I, you know, again, this is my theory. I, I think that the Anunnaki, Enki certainly left more of a major impact. I think most of Latin America, uh, you know, the the pyramids in, in Mexico, pyramids in Central America, I think were all initially designed and helped to be built by Enki. Um, he is deified, you know, as, um, as, 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 as a god, in my opinion, in, in Latin America. I show pictures of, you know, faces of, uh, of, um, in Tenochtitlan in the, in the pyramids of, of their god that they believe, um, created the heavens and, and earth. Um, so I, I think he left more of a, of a of a positive imprint, let's say. I think Enlil um, was directly related to the Israelites. I think he was the je- the, the jealous, diff- tougher God um, that 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 the Jewish people were um, were, were worshiping, and I, and I think I think he still is. Um, deified, in my opinion, as God, but he is right. How do you explain the uh, elongated skulls in Peru? 
That's a great question. You know, um, scientists have been looking at those skulls for years. Um, they, they've, they're popping up everywhere. They're in Peru, Bolivia. Um, several scientists are living in Peru and Bolivia just, just, just researching them. Um, I believe that they're direct descendants from Anunnaki. I believe that the, the, the skulls weren't, um, weren't man-made, weren't made by some, uh, you know, subs, you know, a lot, a lot of times in Africa, they'll, they'll bind the top of the skull of an infant, which is sort of mushy, let's say, not firm, and it will become almost like an egg-like head. And I believe that this was, uh, this was a deification of the Anunnaki. Uh, but, the, in Peru and Bolivia, I think these are legitimate skulls that, that, that are still sitting in museums in these cities of Anunnaki skulls. I, I think these are, these are real. These are 2000 CC cranium, cranium skulls from Anunnaki, and I think that there's no explanation for them because they're not, they're, they're not sort of mutated. Um, they're, they had to have been legitimate. And, what do we know of the the physical description of the Anunnaki from the cuneiform tablets? Uh, did they talk about sort of a conical shaped head? Yeah, they could. They taught the Egyptians had had it, um, you know, which would again direct descendants. But yes, you see the Anunnaki with conical shaped heads, especially the women. You see um, the, them in the tablets wearing a headdress um, on top. Um, and it stemmed right down through the Egyptian pharaohs and dynasties. You see even Tutankhamun and Akhenaten all having um, elongated skulls. And um, it, it didn't come from the first Cro-Magnons because the Cro-Magnons had shorter skulls with 950 cc brains. These brains are 1,450 cc to 2,200 cc's, much, much more advanced than Cro-Magnon. So obviously these skulls came from somewhere. How does an historical Jesus fit into this narrative? I think he's one of the original uh, offspring, uh, in my opinion, uh, as was Moses, as was Abraham, as was Noah. I think he was one of the original Nephilim, which is offspring of Anunnaki and human. I think his uh, miracles were real. Uh, I think that he was... Um, obviously appointed as uh, as the son of God um, and uh, I believe that his um, as you say um, love God, love your neighbor are two of the most if not the most important um, commu- communications that we could have in life so I believe that yes he was in fact one of the most important if not the most important uh, Nephilim discussed in the Bible what do you think about the pyramids being used for extraterrestrial communication? Uh, why did the Anunnaki build the pyramids, Leon? So uh, the pyramids, in my opinion, were energy devices. Um, and they needed to use the ley lines of the Earth to emulsify that energy that's beneath the Earth now, everywhere on the Earth. And if you notice, all of the pyramids, and there, there are, there are 10,000 pyramids on the earth, some very small and some very large, some you know about, some you haven't seen yet, but there are 10,000 pyramids, and they all lay along these ley lines, these energy grids. Uh, Several people have written books about ley lines and about the energy grids, but I believe that the pyramids were used for, to create energy, to 
to basically power up their ships, power up their lasers, power up their civilization. So um, it's just interesting that a couple of the authors that I discussed in my book, um, two two of which one is an electrical engineer and one is a one is a chemical engineer, Christopher Dunn, um, talks about the pyramids using piezoelectrical energy, uh, creating hydrochloric acid and hydrogen fuel, similar to how the sun, the fuels that the the, the, the the what the sun uses as energy, and he proves this by by showing that there is remnants of hydrochloric acid and gypsum in both the kings and queens chambers. So there must have been a reason to create these remnants. Um, Cadman uh, talks about the, the pyramids as being a water pump, um, almost like a, a catalyst for uh, water energy. And he also shows remnants of, of salt and iron and even gold um, in, in the pyramids. So um, they were definitely used, in my opinion, as energy. I find it very interesting that the top portion of the Giza pyramid is missing. Um, I think that it was, uh, if you look at the pyramid right now, if you look at pictures of the pyramid, you'll see that, that there's it, it's missing some sort of a, a capstone, they call it. And I believe the capstone was was uh, was a crystal, was crystalline in, in nature, and that it used the power generated inside of the pyramid um, to to connect the other pyramids with that same power. Is there a correlation, or what is the correlation between the, let's call it the Anunnaki pantheon and the Greek gods or the Egyptian gods? Absolutely, I think that the Anunnaki were the pantheon of Greek gods, the Hercules, the Poseidon, and I think that their that their weapons um, correlated specifically to that god. For example, um, you would have Hercules with the hammer, you would have um, uh, you would have Poseidon with the, the the fork. All of these were actual weapons that um, the Anunnaki had in their possession that basically acted acted as uh, as lasers, acted as Devices that just would, you know, create havoc. And these, I, I believe that these, this pantheon of the twelve Greek gods were exactly the same pantheon of, uh, or a depiction of the same pantheon of Anunnaki. We talked about the pyramids. What about Gobekli Tepe and Stonehenge? Were they also built with the aid or the direct input of the Anunnaki? I think so. I went, I went to Stonehenge about three years ago. And I found it to be just fascinating. It, it, it lies on a ley line, um, a, an energy line. I, and I found it fascinating that anyone could lift an eight-ton rock and put it on top of two other rocks. You know, for what purpose would that be? That, that it wouldn't be for um, it wouldn't be for crop. You know, hel- helping them with the crops. There, it obviously was a sundial of some sort. Uh, but it also acted uh, in such a way, besides keeping time, um, I think it acted in such a way as, as an energy creator. And you see, you see evidence of, of Stonehenge-like circles. Tellinger, Michael Tellinger talks about this in several books that he's written. Very interesting. The same shape as Stonehenge in Africa, Tanzania, South Africa. These circular, I guess you'd say shaped, Objects, and he believes that the, these circular-shaped ob- objects that look like Stonehenge um, were used for energy. Um, um, 
And so, yeah, I believe as definitely Stonehenge uh, was used for energy. And what was the other one you mentioned, Richard? Oh, Gobekli, Gobekli Tepe. Right. Gobekli Tepe is fascinating. Um, Gobekli Tepe apparently is the oldest um, at, 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 at almost 14,000 years old, carbon dated. Um, so it, it, it predated any civilization that was found, this civilization in Turkey. Um, I'm not sure. It's, it's early right now as far as the excavation of Gobekli Tepe. Um, a, f- a friend of mine, a fellow author named Collins, has written a book about Gobekli Tepe. And uh, it's, it's really, really fascinating what's, what's being uncovered, but it's only about 10 years in. And there's a German archaeologist working on Gobekli Tepe right now who's really, really good and um, giving us information, I think, biannually. And so I, I believe Gobekli Tepe is going to be another Stonehenge. What are your thoughts on what's going on, apparently, allegedly down in the Antarctic? Uh, we've had a number of dignitaries. We had the head of the Russian Orthodox Church uh, suddenly visit Antarctica. Uh, former Secretary of State John Kerry made a visit to the Antarctica. Uh, it's been suggested there is a massive alien craft, something like three miles in Length or width, I'm not sure what the the exact diameter is, that is now being revealed as the the ice uh, begins melting down there. Uh, How does that fit into this narrative, if at all? I find Antarctica to be so interesting. Um, I've read several books about Antarctica being Atlantis uh, by some authors named Flem F. Two or three books about this, talking about how Plato discussed it as being an island, looking you know, an island, Antarctica is an island, uh, being uh, made out of concentric circles, which underneath the ice, uh, we, we have noticed that there is not only uh, lush land there and, and water, but um, concentric circles. So was it Atlantis? I, I don't know, but uh, th- that's, you don't think so? That's a possibility, I don't know. But I, didn't, I do know that there was, uh, was a U.S. mission Led by an Admiral Byrd in the 19, late 1940s to Antarctica, and uh, he went with I think five or six battleships, uh, two or three ice crushers, um, and uh, several planes. And I do know that that Admiral Byrd came back saying that there were ships, UFOs that came out of the water and fired upon him and his ships. He lost three battleships. I think one ice, one ice crusher and several planes. Um, it was not the Nazis that were supposedly in, in Antarctica at the time as well. So I find that so interesting. Um, I did also hear about a UFO. I, I, I didn't know how big, but a UFO in, in the ice um, somewhere in, in the middle of Antarctica. Uh, but I, I, I just find it very, very interesting. And, and yes, could there be an alien presence there under the water or under the ice? Sure, absolutely. The um, the the uh, alleged meeting with President Eisenhower and a group of aliens in 1953, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Anunnaki, yes, the Anunnaki were not, I'm guessing, involved in that since the last no. one departed in 2000. Um, so, 
since 2000, since 2000 years ago, when the last of the Anunnaki left, is it now pretty much open season on other extraterrestrial civilizations that want to intervene? Uh, are they doing it uh, with the tacit approval of the Anunnaki? Are they doing it, uh, you know, despite Anunnaki warnings to stay to stay away? I mean, how is this how is this playing out? So that's, that's a great question. Um, so what I've read is that there are 57 species of aliens that have been um, given terminology in our in U, the U.S. undercover military and Canadian. Um, so of the 57 species, several of them, and I discuss several of the 10 of these species in my in my second book. Uh, the Greys are um, everywhere. The, the, the grays come from Zeta Reticuli, um, and th- there seems to be several different variations of grays, tall, some short, um, and of the short, there are defi- some species, sub- subspecies of the short, um, some that are leaders, some that are sort of uh, followers, almost like robotic, if not robotic, followers. Um, so, I, yeah, I think, I think it's open season. I think uh, the Earth is a very, very special place. I think um, we have developed faster than many, many races, um, and that people are noticing us. I think after the nuclear, uh, first nuclear warhead was set off, they're, they're, they're noticing us with, I think, admiration for the, 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 the speed at which we're evolving, but very, very concerned about our warlike tendencies. And they're concerned because if we continue to unleash nuclear warheads anywhere on Earth, it does affect the rest of the universe uh, because uh, through vibration, uh, because basically everything is vibration and everything is sound and waves, and um, it, it, it has effect. And so they're very, very concerned. And that's why there have been shutdowns in Montana of nuclear facilities just literally shut off uh, by UFOs. Um, there are UFOs all over the U.S. and Canada that are, that are just concerned and um, showing themselves and saying, we're here. And if you continue to, you know, con- continue to have your nuclear warheads ready to, to fire, we're going to do something about it. And so, I've always wondered though, where were the UFOs in 1945 when the Americans dropped two big ones on Japan? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's a very, very good question because I've I've heard UFOs have been around since early 1900s, and there there have been. Um, stories about them in 1936, 38, 39, um, and then obviously 43 Roswell and, and going forward. I don't know. I don't know why they stopped um, Oppenheimer from dropping the first nuke. I don't know. Um, maybe they were going to see, can they, you know, will they really do it? But I, 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 I don't know. But I think after that happened, it, it created such a shockwave, literally, shockwave um, across other sentient beings that... Um, We've become sort of that uh, that kindergarten bully um, in a world of uh, mature adults, and they're very worried about us. Getting back to the 53 uh, treaty or arrangement that was made, is is that where permission was given to certain species to abduct humans? Yes, from what I've read through Freedom of Information Act documents um, in Washington, um, in fact, there was a treaty um, between our president. Um, and uh, their ambassador, one of the Greys' ambassador, were called the Griata 
treaty, and Griata, G-R-E signifying gray alien. Um, and this treaty um, was a direct exchange on the U.S. The U.S.'s part, uh, the U.S. wanted a military information, lasers, chips, um, anything that would help them in the, in the military sense. And the grays needed, um, needed DNA, uh, human DNA, cow, cow DNA, uh, which is very, very similar to human and human DNA. And the United States apparently um, told them they can have X amount of human DNA and no more. And, and apparently the Greys uh, didn't didn't follow along with that. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I would think the so. uh, that treaty would have expired by now, or should have. Um, Jacques Vallée and a growing number of people who research in this space, who write about UFOs and ETs, uh, Dr. David Jacobs, Nick Redfern, um, are coming around to believing that there is a deception going on here with ETs. Filet wrote a book called The Messengers of Deception. Dr. David Jacobs believes that the alien abduction uh, phenomenon, which has been sort of described as um, I guess some sort of a step in our in consciousness or <laughs> consciousness raising. Uh, in, you know, a lot of people in the UFO community say is, believe that there's nothing nothing nefarious about alien abductions. But you have then people like Dr. David Jacobs and others who believe that there is a, a alien human hybrid program going on, and uh, this is all sort of a precursor to an invasion. So as I say, more and more people coming to this realization that there is a deception going on. What are your thoughts? I agree. I think there is a deception. Uh, I think there's a lot of very, very bad um, tendencies. Uh, the fact that they're not keeping with their word, based upon the Griotta Treaty, is uh, is a is a is it is it to me t- tells you, you can't trust any of these gray aliens. I have read about other aliens, however. That are um, tall whites. We call them the tall whites um, uh, from Andromeda. That apparently are very positive and want peace and love and uh, the, you know procurement of, of of information and education and evolution. And so I do, and I have read about other species that are uh, very fond of of Earth and um, sort of feel. Uh, I guess with all of the intergalactic information that I've read. Um, start stemming from Orion and Sirius, right? So several several species have stemmed from Orion and Sirius, and then have let, moved on to the Zeta Reticuli, the Nibiru's, to other planets. Um, I think everyone sort of wants to have a little imprint on on our little galaxy, a part of the galaxy, and Earth being a, a really important one. I think I think we're very special, and I think. Um, I think that they uh, not only are looking for resources in the form of DNA from cows or humans, but um, or or raw resource metal resources. I think that um, they're very um, they're very interested in our speedy development, how quickly we've developed, and um, you know moving from the third to the fourth to the fifth density of intellect. 
All right, Leon, I've got to jump in here. Apologies. We'll take a break. We'll come back and continue. Uh, Leon Bibby, Adam Decoded, Volume 2. Back with more. Stay with us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. C60 Evo delivers the miracle molecule, ESS60. It's pure carbon 60. Why not love your body and share C60 Evo with those you love? ESS60 from C60 Evo is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets too. I take a tablespoon every day and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years. And during the day, we have such tremendous energy and vitality. We're both pain-free. In a landmark peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats fed ESS60 lived twice their normal lifespan. Go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen or click on the C60evo link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS60 from C60evo. Order your miracle in a bottle today. As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? No, me either. But I guess you better say it because Richard, you know, he's all wrapped up in this stuff. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Leon Bibby stays with us. Adam Decoded Volume 2. The first book was uh, Adam Equals Alien. Uh, Leon, uh, give us a website and tell us where we can get a hold of these books. My first book, Adam Equals Alien, is available on www.adamalien.com. Dot com, which is my own website, um, or you could go on to Amazon. And Adam Decoded uh, is going through now. Uh, I'm creating a new website for it um, because it's part of a trilogy. Um, Adam Decoded is available on Amazon. If you just type in Adam Decoded, it's available in Canada, uh, U.S., etc. When the Anunnaki return, you you stated, Leon, earlier that you believe it'll be around the year 3100? Yes. Is Is that something that we should be fearful of or look forward to in your estimation? I think fearful. I think uh, it's not a good thing. Um, I think it's going to create 
uh, a lot of uh, gravitational pull issues. It's going to create flooding. It's going to create, um, hopefully, the Earth doesn't, you know, the Earth has moved on its axis before, and that's part of the reasons we, we've had the Ice Age and, and, and major, you know, um, evolution, major gravitational and geological issues. But it's going to create a lot of problems, I think, and they always do come to Earth when it when they're within our our galaxy, and they will definitely come to Earth at that time. So, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's going to be a hello greeting. Well, the sort of the perturbations aside. What about the motives this time around from the Anunnaki? I mean, who's going to be in charge? Is it going to be Enlil or Enki? Are they still alive? I think so. I think they're still alive because, you know, it's from the Egyptian king's list. I don't know if you know about this, but there's a Sumerian tablet that's square, rectangular, and it has the Egyptian king's list. And it lists all of the kings of the Egyptian dynasty. And you'll notice that each of these kings lived between or reigned between 4,000 and up to 26,000 Years now, some people say, "Oh, it's not really a year; uh, it's it's in twenty six thousand divided by seven, or divided by six, the sexagesimal system." I think it's legitimate. I think it's twenty six thousand years, and I think that these were Anunnaki who lived fifty, seventy thousand years. Um, so, if that's true, then Enlil and Enki could very well still be alive. And. Who who do you think is going to be in charge when they swing by the next time? I hope Enki, because in my opinion, Enki is uh, Enki's the good guy in in our development. Enki's the creator of us, in my opinion. Again, um, and Enki is uh, is you know he's he's venerated all over Latin America as Quetzalcoatl, um, as uh, the feathered being, the feathered god. Um, and the pyramids were all dedicated to him. He apparently uh, just created, just educated the people on civil, how to how to be civilized, laws, court system, judicial uh, uh, contracts, marriage, divorce, everything. So um, I think he was basically the, you know, the positive um, protagonist. And I think he loves what he created. And the Sumerian tablets even said that I love my creation, that he said that he loves his creation. And I think that he's, uh, to me, he's, uh, he's the most positive, uh, you know, being that, that we have seen in the tablets. And if he's in charge when Nibiru swings by again, would you then anticipate that there would be Will he come bearing gifts, in other words? Is he going to kickstart our our human evolution again? Is he going to bestow free energy upon us and these sorts of things? I think so. I think, you know, geniuses, you mentioned free energy. Geniuses like Tesla, who was a thousand years ahead of his time um, with free energy. Um, people like Einstein, geniuses like this Galileo, Aristotle, people like this were almost as if they were his students, that they learned one one-hundredth of his knowledge and tried to apply it to a good cause. And I think that Tesla was really the last greatest scientist, um, besides Einstein, 
of our time, especially as it relates to energy. And I believe that Enki, who's depicted in several pictures um, um, as, uh, you know, in, in, in working almost like an, like an architect of energy, um, would certainly be very proud that a, you know, a person like a Tesla or an Einstein uh, became what they became. And I think, yes, he would want to hopefully come to Earth, see where we're at, and bring us to, I was mentioning, the fourth density, which is like an, uh, almost as if you're unlocking 10% more of that quote-unquote junk DNA and um, becoming super intelligent. The Mayan calendar and the Mayans, any, any correlation between the Mayan calendar and the Anunnaki? Yes. Many people were concerned that 2012 was it going to be the end of the world, etc. It just so happens to be the end of a what's called the procession, uh, which is 25,920 years. And this procession basically is a solar procession of time, meaning uh, the Earth's progression um, over 25,920 years um, in relation to the sun's orbit. And so the Mayan calendar, um, which was almost like a computer, besides um, keeping time, um, it also advised when to fertilize their crops, um, acted almost as a, 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 a fire, water, air, Distributor, where they would basically be advising the, the 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 people, hey, you know, it's going to be hot, it's going to be cold, it's going to be chilly, it's any time, any climate information. But but more more importantly was the procession, the solar procession, in keeping with um, time time and 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 uh, the relationship of Earth to the Sun and its orbits. And so uh, this was so far ahead of its time, it only could have been constructed, you know, by the Anunnaki. The vast majority of the cuneiforms, the cuneiform tablets, I believe are in the London Museum. I mean, they're not for public eyes, correct? Yes, correct. Why do you suppose that is? What's, what's on those cuneiform tablets perhaps they don't want us to know about? Oh, it's, that's just so interesting, Richard. I just think that there's, you know, I didn't used to be this way. I used to be a, a sort of a, 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 a layman just believing what I heard on television and on the news media. And uh, now today, I, a lot of times I don't believe it at all. Um, I just think that the information in the Sumerian tablets uh, is so powerful and so real that if taken word for word would, would basically shake um, foundations of science and religion to a degree. And I think that even though the Sumerian tablets predate religion, I think people's, um, you know, you're, you're, you're a religious Christian. I'm a little bit religious, too. I think it would, um, it would I guess, I wouldn't scare them, but it would just basically tell a different story rather than the story we've read from the New Testament or the Old Testament. And um, the word, the plural form of gods... And it says it, you know, on the cover of my book, Adam the Quisalian, then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. That's what it says in, G- in Genesis. It says that also several other times. So the plural is listed more as a, as a you know, pluralistic deity uh, versus a monotheistic deity. And I grew up 
believing in one God and only one God. And after reading the, the tablets, it it opened my mind up to um, to to more to several gods with a small G, but several gods um, being our creator. And um, I think I think that this information is uh, is very powerful, and uh, that this information will probably be scoffed as as mythology, but. If it's not mythology, and my first chapter in my in book in my book Adam decoded was myth or mythology, and I believe uh, that I'm sorry, myth or history, and I believe that this myth is history. All right. If you take extraterrestrial out of the equation and you substitute extraterrestrial for interdimensional, let's just leave Nibiru aside for a moment. It still lines up pretty closely with what the Bible is saying. Because if we're talking about interdimensional, then we're talking about perhaps an angelic realm. And so then casting the Nephilim as the offspring of fallen angels and humans, it all makes perfect sense. In other words, some might argue, okay, the ancient alien theory is kind of trying to shoehorn their story into the biblical narrative. And the only thing that separates the ancient alien theory really from, let's say, the biblical narrative is extraterrestrial versus interdimensional. What are your thoughts on that? That's really interesting. I think you can discuss the Nephilim and the, the angelic as their dimensional beings. It's very, very interesting what you just said because I've read several authors that have said the same, that it uh, may, may not be exact you know, corporeal beings from another planet. It may be intergalactic, angelic, as you say, beings or sentient, sentience. Uh, you know, I don't know but the answer. I think it's really, really interesting. Uh, I, I like what you said about there being a, a, a timeline symmetry, which I agree with. And I believe in most everything the Bible does say. There are just some things in it that I think that are a little off and maybe goes against some other paragraphs. And so I, that, that sort of gave, you know, lifted up one eyebrow and said, you know, something's up. Something's up. And maybe, and maybe, just maybe, there's more than one author here. And so that's what really got me thinking. There are 30,000 Sumerian tablets in one museum, but across the globe there are many, many more and more still in the ground in Iraq. Mm. Uh, do you believe that there are still an, uh, uh, scores of these tablets still buried in the sands of Iraq? And was this perhaps the reason that uh, just prior to the, uh, the Gulf Wars, uh, beginning in the early 90s, was this the reason that Saddam Hussein had called for a team of German archaeologists? Uh, they were in Iraq just prior to the war, uh, but it was never disclosed what they were looking for. Is is this perhaps what they were looking for, more of these Sumerian tablets? Or perhaps were they looking for a Stargate? And is that the real reason for the Allied invasion of Iraq? They were also did, looking for that Stargate. Where, where did you hear that information? The The German archaeologists? Yeah, I remember reading. I remember reading that uh, just after the uh, the first Gulf War broke out, that um, that um, Saddam Hussein had summoned a team of German archaeologists to to Iraq. Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting that you just mentioned that. Very few people know that. I have heard that. Um, I'll get to that in one second. Uh, Sitchin said that there were about two hundred thousand tablets. And your 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 listener is correct. Thirty thousand have been found uh, since since eighteen ninety six. Um, 
As far as the U.S. And going to war with Iraq, I think, yes, I think one of the biggest reasons, besides oil, that we went into Iraq had nothing to do with weapons of mass destruction, had to do with these tablets, and that uh, they were in Baghdad, and uh, apparently a Stargate as well in Iraq. Um, I forgot what city in Iraq, but it was one of the 12 cities that the Anunnaki originally inseminated, and... It was interesting because there was a book written recently about a covert uh, secret operation between the U.S. and it may have been Germany going into Iraq and finding something besides tablets, finding they believe to be a Stargate. And it was stopped immediately. Maybe Apparently it was about 30 or 45 days, stopped immediately and surrounded by police and they were kicked out and and I, and one of the professors from the University of Pennsylvania wrote about this what town in Iraq it is I think it's Abtelum or something like that but yeah they were kicked out because of this and I thought that that was just so interesting well I want to thank you for uh, for being so generous with your time Leon Richard thank you so much for having me I love your show and uh, it's so interesting to me and I, I appreciate you giving me the time